Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And in this episode, uh, we watched two movies about journalism and pretty heavy stuff, so um, kind of a little bit of a warning here, we watched She Said and Spotlight. Yeah, so these, um, while the topics they discuss are not necessarily exactly the same. um, The premise definitely is. Yeah, so they're two films about, um, they're both based on true stories, they're about investigative journalists uh, uncovering story of systemic sexual abuse yeah um so actually (laughs) yeah they are the same they're they're very much the same um the subject matter obviously of the abuse is different uh also the time that these investigations happened um spotlight is set pre-9-11 and then post-9-11 so 2001 and yeah and uh the me too movement was really recent. Uh, what was that? Uh, 19, 18? Uh, 2017 is when the the, okay. the New York Times published that article. So the Me Too movement actually started in 2006 and then kind of lost traction. And um, this New York Times article really um, kick-started it again. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so uh, as as you have pointed out previous, like before we started recording, um, this is probably the most serious set of films that we're discussing um because a they're both based on true stories and b they both tackle pretty heavy topics yeah pretty horrendous behavior um and like i said uh to you uh, not obviously while we were recording but like uh i think the last time we covered such a heavy topic would have been our unpregnant episode which was um mm-hmm. two movies about um, young women having to tr- cross straight state lines uh, in the states to get abortions. One of them being much more gritty and real, where the other one was a like a comedy. And obviously, neither of these movies are a comedy. So it's we're you know personally, I'm going to be very uh, respectful to the victims of these crimes that were committed, mm. and just discuss, I guess. Um, how we both feel and, and sort of the, the way the movies went because, you know, there's no... Unlike most episodes where one's clearly way better than the other, both of these movies are really well made and I think um, huge props to the... Uh, huge kudos to the filmmakers who spent the time being respectful as possible uh, to bring these to this big screen. Mm, and that that brings us to one of the the first points I wanted to talk about, which was um, accuracy. Yeah. Um, She Said is based on a book that was written by um, Jodie Hunter and uh, the other reporter whose name I've forgotten. Um, But the the two who are the main characters, the the, the two women who broke the story, essentially. Yeah. Um, Oh, I haven't written her name down. Hang on. I'm so sorry to the second reporter. Um, I do have it here somewhere. Um, Megan Toohey, yeah. So Megan yeah. Toohey and Jody Cantor, the two New York Times um, journalists who broke the story, wrote a book about the whole experience. Um, she said it's based on that book and apparently is pretty much 100% accurate. Um, right. They just, the filmmakers, I mean, I'm sure they use some amount of creative license to, yeah. you know, 
um, make it look nice and things like that. But uh, in terms of the facts, they they decided they wanted the story to speak for itself. Yeah. Um, which is uh, a big risk to take, I think, almost as a filmmaker. But um, it's pretty pretty compelling story to begin with. Um, Spotlight. Someone did the math, and Spotlight is. 76.2% accurate, apparently. <laughs> okay. Um, so they, some of the stuff, um, it does mention at the end that they ended up writing a ton of articles over the course of a year about it. Yeah. Um, so some of the interviews that they put in the film actually didn't happen until after the events of the film. Yeah. So yeah. They've, they're real interactions and real stories, but they've moved the chronological order. Yeah. Um, the priest who openly admitted um, to molesting children, um, the uh, reporter who goes to him in the movie is not, she's the one who wrote the actual um, story, but it was based on notes by a different reporter who interviewed oh, yeah, him. So yeah. it's things like that. Um, so they're not, and uh, the uh, when one of the reporters discovers that the priest treatment center is around the corner from his house, it wasn't actually the treatment center that was around the corner from his house. It was the first priest that they had been investigating. They had discovered that's where he'd been moved to. Oh, okay. So rather than sticking a picture of the uh, the house on his fridge and telling the kids not to go near it, he took a photo of the guy. Oh, right. But the filmmakers thought that seemed unrealistic, even though it's what really happened. Yeah. So, it's so um, yeah, and then the, the only other thing that was inaccurate about it was, and it's accurate but inaccurate, the, when the lawyer McLeish tells him that he sent them the article or he sent them the list of names yeah. 10 years ago or in 93 or whenever it was, so yeah. eight years ago, um, he didn't tell them that and they didn't discover it in their investigation. The filmmakers discovered it when they were trying to write the screenplay. Oh, Jesus. They interviewed the lawyer and he said, I'd actually send them to them. Yeah. And when they went and spoke to um, Robinson, the, uh, the guy that Michael Keaton plays, he said... I I was the editor at the of Metro at the time, and it's possible I just missed the story. Wasn't the Globe? Wasn't the Boston Globe? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. They buried the story in oh, Metro. Okay. Oh, okay. They, yeah, the, yeah. The, it got it got put into, and he was the editor of that right. department, or is that a separate? I, I'm not sure subsidiary. How, I'm not sure how um, papers work anymore. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because as a as a male, mm-hmm. um, I was very uncomfortable during... Because we went to the movie theatre to see She Said. Because it's... Well, at the time of this recording, it just came out. Um, yeah. So we've given, you, we've given you guys a couple of months uh, to... Yeah, it's very, very fresh in our heads. But we're, we are pre-recording in November. Yeah. Spoilers uh, for how <laughs> movie magic works behind I the scenes. I think it's important to note that we're pre-recording because um, we're probably not going to be able to give accurate box office. Yeah, true, true. Whereas in yeah. January, it'll yeah, be yeah, different. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I was very uncomfortable. Um, I was very uncomfortable. I was more uncomfortable than you. <laughs> no. Uh, That's what Harvey Weinstein would say about Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, like, I have no dog in the fight of Spotlight. Like, it didn't affect me. I'm not Catholic. Um, I wasn't, uh, let's put it the nicest way possible. Um, I'm agnostic, but I've never been really interested in organized religion. I did have, I wouldn't say a crisis of faith, 
but I sort of had a crisis of confusion, if that makes more sense. Probably doesn't. <laughs> I'll put it into context. Um, a few years back, uh, some random guy on the street handed me a book. I don't know, that sounds really weird. Um, but what, he was literally just selling books on the side of the street. And I was like, oh, whatever, you know, I've got change in my pocket. So I gave the guy, because it was just like, a, oh, $5 or whatever you feel like. And I had a $10 note and I was just like, oh, whatever. So it was a religious book um, in relation to um, Eastern religious teachings. Mm -hmm. So I read it. And I read it on the bus, and I, it wasn't like a, 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 you know, I couldn't put it down. Like, when I first read Game of Thrones, it was just a little sort of like, a, oh, this is interesting. Um, and so I read through it, and uh, I have read the Bible, uh, King James Bible, years and years ago. Um, what's that old saying? Uh, believing in the Bible makes you a Christian. Reading the Bible makes you an atheist. Um Going through, uh, I've read uh, a English translation of the Quran. I've read, um, I can't remember the, what is the book of Judaism? I can't remember. The Torah? Torah, yeah. I've read an English translation of that, um, or, or what has been translated into English from that, because um, I know their language is very important to their people, so it's not like, you know, you just have an English copy of it. Um, and the thing that I found is most religions are the same. Mm -hmm. It's, and, That's true. you know, you talk to ex Catholics who are very devout young children and they sort of grew up and were just like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, the best, best, um, understanding of, of how, um, religion works is the same way ad campaigns work, which is just flooding your your understanding with um, symbolism and, and other uh, forms of, of uh, I wouldn't say control, just limiting your choices, if that makes sense. And I know you being Irish, um, there's some interesting kind of uh, religious issues ongoing mm. uh, between... Uh, people who are Catholic and people who aren't. And, you know, it just really touches on a really sad subject for a bunch of people because it was a joke. Both of these things were a joke for years, for decades. Not the actual subject matter, mm. but just the amount of jokes, of, like, uh, as we were discussing after we watched the movie when we were getting... Uh, we had food afterwards, eh? After yeah. she said, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, when we, went, yeah we went to Auntie Mina's. Shout out to Auntie Mina's, best yeah. restaurant in Wellington. Best vegan restaurant in Wellington. Best restaurant in Wellington. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, what did I say when we were walking down the... Um, you know, there was a, a red carpet interview with uh, Courtney, Courtney Love, Love, who said, you know, and the reporter said, uh, any advice for young women coming to Hollywood to make the thing? And, and she said, um, if you ever get invited to like a business meeting or um, Harvey Weinstein's hotel, don't go. Yeah. And that was early 90s. Yeah, it was early 90s. Um, you know, there, there was thousands of jokes that men throw across of, um, you know, Catholic priests and young boys. And, and it's even, um, 
the first person that came to mind was, uh, which was related to both of these things, uh, Louis C.K., when he had a TV show, um, had a joke about visiting the Catholic Church and why they have to molest young boys and, like, all this shit. And it's just like, right, not the right person, because obviously he was he was in the... He got caught up in the in the Me Too movement from his weird shit that he was up to. Yeah, I don't know if you can if you can say he got caught up on it. Because... Well, he was he was a perpetrator of abuse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just just to change the language away from like oh you know he got wasted up in this thing that happened. It's like no no he abused people. Yeah. Um, the it's interesting because you sort of have to now look at everything that's happened in the past um, in regards to these two subjects and go, why did we let this happen? But then these movies explain how it got, how these people, these disgusting human beings got away with it for so long. And it was, it wasn't just the abuser who was perpetrating this. It's, um lawyers and not being able to say anything because of the way the law works and how yeah. uh, non-disclosure agreements work and how um, settlements work and it's yep it's uh, and in both cases um you had the people actually committing the abuse putting pressure on the victim yeah. to not talk about it and then you had people around them putting pressure on the victim to not talk about it and then you had people giving incentives to not talk about yeah. it and then you had the lawyers giving them settlements and keeping the cases shut and in, yeah. in both cases you have in you know both films and in both real life um situations you have the reporters trying to investigate and finding no paper trail because everything was settled out of court yeah um and that's i mean that's the big the big reason why i think these films are are similar and these situations are similar is because they're not just about individual instances of abuse they're about systems that supported abusers and help and allowed these things to happen yeah and to keep happening um and i know you said you didn't have a dog in the fight with spotlight but i i saw spotlight in cinema when it came out and i saw it with my mom yeah. and um you know you you will have noticed when, when it gets to the end there and it says you know here's all the places these things have happened there's a lot of irish towns and counties on there yeah there's um, a lot of states in america a lot of towns in america new zealand is in there as well yeah yeah christchurch was in there yeah um, um but my mom burst into tears mm. um and like she knows people who have been victims of that abuse. yeah um you know yeah, it's not a it's not an easy subject to to come across and i think it's um, really good on these people to be fighting um, for it, the, the, the people in the... Because, you know, obviously, yeah, especially in um, She Said, like, after the victims came forward and the people published the story, they suffered more abuse after that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you see, you get, it just shows you snippets of... Um, because uh, Megan Toohey, who's one of the two... Um, Reporters also reported on um, ab abuse allegations against Trump. And yeah. so at the beginning of the film, you see it starting at that point, 
um, because it starts off in 2016 before the ele- before the election. Yeah. Um, and um, you get to see her getting threats of rape and violence on yeah. the phone. Um, so they went into this knowing that that's what they would get. Yeah. So there's a real dedication there. Um, I think in Spotlight, you see a little bit of that as well, that they're preparing to have their phones ringing and they know that the church are going to be um, upset about it and that the town, you know, Boston is full of Catholics and yeah. people are not going to be happy. Um, but in Spotlight, what you see at the end is that they are getting a lot of phone calls, but they're mostly from vi- victims. other victims yeah. who want to come forward. Um, and they don't show that in She Said, but we know that, you know, the Me Too movement really kicked off again after that. Um, so again, you know, these articles caused other victims to go, hey, that happened to me too. And, you know, as people, (laughs) to me, sorry, I didn't mean to say to me too. (laughs) Um, but you know, they start to say like, oh, this isn't isolated. It's not just me. Or, you know, these people have spoken out, I can speak out too. Um, and it, I think both films really highlight the important role that media can have in yeah. in things like that. And it's interesting too because in this day and age uh, where we have phones and have instant access to pretty much all of human knowledge at any point in time, uh, you... We get flooded with a lot of, like, I hate to use the term because it has been coined by an accused abuser, but fake news is a huge issue. and Yeah, just false information. Yeah, it's false information. Yeah. And because the way that media works is, you know, you have... And it's even New Zealand politics is a big one that always makes me laugh um, because you have some very popular, which I won't name because I don't deserve it. Um, you have very popular, you know, news websites that most people look at every day, um, especially if you work in an office job and you're trying to hide doing work. Um, and you spend time on these websites that aren't, you know, their articles aren't locked behind paywalls, which I think's getting absolutely disgusting because you've got Unless you've got ad block running, you've got 10,000 ads popped up in your face before you can even look at the article and then it asks you to pay money to read it or subscribe. And I don't mean like as in put your email in, it's like put your credit card information in. Um, the, the, even the images that they use of people, and I will bring it back to um, uh, stuff that was happening few years back where I always remember looking at articles um, and it was always, you know, there would be our current Prime Minister had a very nice, candid photo of herself, Mm -hmm. um, you know, looking very nice and smiling. And then you had the leader of the opposition and one of his eyes would be closed and his mouth would be open. You're like, hmm, I wonder which side these people are on. And that's the thing. Everyone has a bias. Everyone has an agenda. Mm -hmm. And it's you know, that's that's the big issue um, that faces us because you don't have the time. Most people sitting at home or listening to this don't have the time to do their own research. Mm. So when you have an article from what you think is a trusted news source being like, this person did this, this person said that, this person has been accused of this, and you're like, cool, do I now have to spend the next three hours looking up 
the person who wrote this article, the people, you know, like we don't have time. It, it, we don't have time because it is a constant flow and you're like, yeah. oh, well, okay, that article's over onto the next one. But I think that's why in both of these cases, um, the reporters really put in the time to yeah, it. And, and really, that's really important yeah, because and they, if you and want the truth, you have to actually go and get it and not let it get away. Yeah, and they both, both um, films really highlight the fact that they knew... Um, that they needed to have named sources, yeah. um, multiple sources. They needed to have things confirmed because they knew that people reading it would dismiss it if they didn't have all the hard evidence. Yeah. Um, and they knew, you know, that it would be easier to be quashed uh, in a legal sense as well if they didn't have really solid evidence behind it. So you get to see, you know, um, and she said, I think it, it it's done very emotionally that like um, Jodie Cantor, so uh, it's like. You know, she when when they finally get someone to say yes, I'll be yeah. a named source. She literally just breaks down crying on the yeah. phone because they've been trying so hard for months to get anyone to come, come forward. forward. Yeah. Um, because as they say, you know, no, none of these people want to be the only person. Yeah. To to do it, um, and it's you know, and they're so invested in the story, and so invested in the fact that, you know, this could help other people avoid being in this situation this could raise awareness for how this abuse is happening and how this abuse is being perpetuated and you know um i think they really put their whole lives into investigating it for those the time that they were doing it yeah. so it's it's yeah it's it's i think it really highlights how important it was to them to get those sources um and can i just say shout out to ashley judd for not only being their named source on the article, but also playing herself yeah, in the yeah, movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, there were there were many celebrities mentioned, and um, they were all voice acted, mm. um, including obviously uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein, and like he had a body double who looked very very similar to Harvey Weinstein, and yeah. Trump had a voice actor play. Yeah, the, um, the the guy who did the Trump impersonation is famous for doing Trump impersonations. Yeah. Apparently, he was hired by Saturday Night Live based on his. Um, YouTube videos where he did Trump impersonations, so it's like his whole thing nowadays, I yeah. think. But Rose McGowan plays a big uh, part of the beginning of the movie, and we sat and watched the credits to see if she actually played herself when she didn't. Yeah. Um, but I also understand not wanting to, yeah, yeah, exactly. to relive it. And, um, and speaking of reliving it, there's um, one, of the, one of the victims that they talk to in Spotlight is he's not one of the actual... He, he's not playing himself in it, but he is an actual victim of um, abuse from a from a priest. Um, so the guy who plays so Jimmy LeBlanc is the actor's name. He plays Patrick McSorley. So the um, the first guy that um, Mark Ruffalo's character uh, interviews with Stanley Tucci in yeah. the room. Um, sorry, <laughs> probably should have used character like the the reporter's names rather than. Mark Ruffalo and Stanley Tucci. Just a pause on the moment. Like, yeah. they really didn't pull the punches when it came to casting for these movies either. Like, mm. I'm glad all these people, like, yeah. well, I wouldn't say risked their careers, but, like, this isn't one of those movies that you're going to sign on for for a, a million-dollar paycheck. Yeah, um, Michael Keaton had... Uh, so he did this right after Birdman. Yeah. Um, and he had planned to take a break from acting after Birdman, apparently. Yeah. And then he read the script for Spotlight and said, I'll, I'll do it, I'll yeah. do that. Um, and then it became the the second Michael Keaton film in a row to win a Best Picture Oscar, yeah. so <laughs> so it was the right choice. Yeah. 
So, um, sorry, continue on what you were, you were saying. Oh, yeah. So the guy, so Jimmy LeBlanc, the guy, so he was an actual survivor of the clerical abuse. Um, the, I just have a note about him because I thought it was it was kind of funny. Um, not, not that this is funny subject matter, yeah. but um, when they brought him in for rehearsals, uh, he was brought into a room with Mark Ruffalo and Michael Keaton and Stanley Tucci. Um, and the, the director, Tom McCarthy, was afraid that, um, or he was really concerned about re, you know, revisiting his abuse uh, in his past and his trauma. So when, um, after they finished the rehearsals, when he was leaving, um, he asked him, oh, were you, were you freaked out or did you, were you okay with what happened? And he was like, yeah, of course I'm freaked out. That was the Hulk and Batman and the guy from The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> 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 like oh okay that's what you were focused on yeah um it's like so the director's worrying about you know reliving his trauma but he's going in and going holy shit it's the hulk and batman yeah. <laughs> and stanley tucci um so that was a little bit of a light-hearted um piece of trivia but um but yeah but again they use you know they did they had act at least one actor who was an actual victim of this the same kind of abuse in spotlight um which I think, you know, the fact that they had Ashley Judd playing Ashley Judd and they had that um, shows more, you know, dedication to showing the the realness of it yeah. to some extent. Um, because you've got people in there who actually experience this. Um, it's it's um, the numbers are the scary part because mm-hmm. they sort of bring a lead up to it in both these movies, which would have been obviously how it would have put come uh, to fruition in real life where they had you know like what is the what is the estimated number mm. and it's like you know the the guy that they spoke to on the phone was like six percent and it's like there's 1500 priests in boston alone like you were saying six percent so that's 80 yeah 90, 90, 90 priests they, in yeah, boston they, alone yeah and they got to 87 priests that they could that they could find names for yeah yep and then, in the same time, in uh, she said it was eighty-two victims of Harvey Weinstein came forward in the end. Was like, it in the end? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, in terms of settlements, it was eight to twelve, wasn't it? Yeah. That was thrown out, and I I was expecting probably because I'd seen Spotlight first, um, year well years ago, but I don't know. I but also because I knew so many people had come forward, I was yeah. expecting it to be a, a much higher number. But um, but in both cases, um, they start out with one. Yeah. So in Spotlight, it's one priest, and they've got a few allegations against the one priest. Um, and then um, she said it's um, just Rose McGowan yeah. accusing Harvey Weinstein, and that's it. But then as they investigate in both cases, they find, you know, people are unwilling to talk to them about it. Um, and then they find that, like, there's so many people who already know about it. Yeah. Um, I actually took down a quote from Spotlight because it was, yeah, it was... Um, what um, Rachel McAdams said at one point, she just turned around and said, "It's like everybody already knows the story." Yeah. Um, and then I think Michael Keaton's like, "Except us." Yeah. Um, and it feels very much the same in in she said, even though, again, in both cases, it turns out that people had reported these things to that same newspaper. Yeah. Years beforehand, so I think it was in two thousand and four for um, um, the New York Times with with Harvey Weinstein, and in uh, nineteen ninety three. For um for the spotlight crew in the Boston Globe in yeah. the in the other one, um. So but and yet it had been, you know, fallen by the wayside and not actually investigated. Um. So when they're investigating, 
you get people unwilling to talk because they've been silenced, people unwilling to talk because they're afraid of Harvey Weinstein and his power or the yeah. church and their power. Uh, people unwilling to talk because they've already tried to talk and it went nowhere. Um, and it's it's very, very difficult. And then people unwilling to talk because they don't want to relive it. Yeah, it's interesting with the Me Too movement because the X swung both ways um, for the better in the long term. Um, there were some people who fell through the cracks, but the the fact that speaking out against someone who had abused you then would have cost you your career, which yeah. happened to a lot of people. Yeah. And now it's swinging back the other way a little bit where accusing people will destroy their career without any evidence performed. Um, and it's, um, it's interesting because the... Like, I'm not saying it's a... Ne- like, yeah, literally, you know, we, we have... The case that comes to mind is Kevin Spacey. And unfortunately, I used to really enjoy him yep. as an actor. Yeah, Kevin Spacey was the first the first um, case of abuse that came to light that I thought, oh, I'm disappointed. I thought yeah. diff- I thought better of. Yeah. Because um, I also enjoyed him as an actor. Um, and it's uh, his case, I won't go into it now, but that's really interesting. Um, there is a little bit of a rabbit hole, which I won't mention. Um, I think you've mentioned it in a different episode. Before. Did I mention it in the episode? I just, I just remember putting it in the show notes before. It was something about your um, your Kevin Spacey rabbit holes and the, the British crown. Oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> So if, if, I will mention it because you, you've continued it. I was going to leave it there. But um, the issue with Kevin Spacey's, the accusations against Kevin Spacey is all of his ac- accusers are dead. Yeah, it's frightening. And it's like, um, is, yeah, what are the odds? Uh, yeah, what are the odds that all these young, you know, like, but there is a... There is a ongoing pattern where people, especially young men who were abused at a young age, being uh, more susceptible to falling to the disease that is wrecking our, most nations, which is suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sort of go, oh, were they mm-hmm. killed? Were they murdered? Like, you know, how do we know? Um, we won't get into my, you know, and I know the, well, I know that's a, that's a, that's a dangerous word. Um, I've suspected that, that it, like a lot of people, and this is going to sound real tinfoil hat for the people at home, but, um, or at work or wherever you are right now. In your car. In your car on public transport. Um, I believe Princess Diana was pregnant. Oh, okay. I didn't even know that's where you were going to go with that. But okay, all right. yeah. I believe she was pregnant to a Saudi prince's baby, and I and I think some people maybe did something um, to stop something dangerous from happening from there from to to they would have sh- shaken down the infrastructure that they've built, and it's the same with the the meme that I saw the other day, how one of the prince's sons. Is an American citizen and therefore could eventually become president. Become president, and it's a long game by George II <laughs> to retake America. Um, you know, I personally think we are beyond monarchies. Mm. Um, but that's another 
I mean, you know, if, if... Well, Prince Philip. No, I'm saying that that's another big, um, powerful system, like yeah. the church. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if there is... Was it a, Andrew? Prince Andrew. Is Prince Andrew, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, Philip is king. What? King now? I thought it was Charles. Charles? King Charles? Is it? I don't know what's happening. I don't remember we the were, names we, of the We were family. in the Republic of Ireland when it happened, goddammit. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was going to say I'm a Republican. That means something different to a lot of people. Actually. Yeah. I don't know who's the king. We happen to be I'm in gonna, the UK. This is going to piss off a lot of people. Yeah, King Charles. Who's Philip? Philip was the, the father. father. Yeah. Isn't he dead? I, I assume so. Well, then why were you talking about him? No, Prince, Prince. Prince. Andrew, Andrew was the one who... Is an abuser. Yeah. Yeah, we know this. Okay. That's confused me. Anyway. We've gone on a tangent now. Do you want to go on another tangent? <laughs> um, well, what were you going to say? You, you look really was, ready to talk about that. I was going to say, did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? Oh my gosh. Okay, that has nothing to do with these films. Can we, can we get back to the movies? Does it? Does it not have anything to do with these films? Powerful people using the infrastructure to, to abuse people. True, true. Yeah. You don't have a oil painting of ex-president Bill Clinton in a dress in your main foyer and not have some shit about some people. Did you not know that? I, I just... Okay. Okay. Sorry, I've gone on a tangent, folks. Yeah, let's get let's back back to the back to the movie. Ed breaks over movie time. You were gonna go take over from there. Sorry. Oh, am I? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that my cue? Yeah, That's it was my your cue. cue. Yeah, I yeah. get a cue now. Exit stage left. No. Um. <laughs> um. I don't know. In terms of filmmaking, um, they're both just really good movies. Yeah, they're really well made. Um. But I think that was sort of like, it had to be done that way. Yeah, I don't know if we get more. I think I think the interesting thing to me about um, She Said over Spotlight, even though I think, I don't know, I think inst instant impact-wise, Spotlight had more of an impact on me, but I grew up in Ireland, as we've mentioned, and um, we can go into that later if we want. But um, the interesting thing to me about She Said was... Um, how they tied it to the personal lives of the reporters. Yeah. Um, because they are two women and they are experiencing abuse. You know, not um, the systemic sexual abuse that is that is that they're investigating, but they're getting threats. They're you know they're they're up against these systems to some extent, and um, you get a hint that there is a background of abuse with at least with Megan Toohey. Um, and I haven't investigated her, her past and I, you know, I want to give her respect. I'm not going to do that, but they do mention it in, or she, you know, um, Carrie Mulligan playing her in the film mentions it in the sense that she's talking about, um, we see her suffering from, um, postpartum depression. Yeah. And, um, Zoe Kazan's character, um, also references that she experienced that with her first child. Um, and you get Megan Toohey saying... Do you think that this is a result of the abuse and the trauma we go through in in our lives up to this point? That you know the reason women experience 
postpartum depression and similar um you know illnesses is that they have built up and pent up this um trauma over years and years and then it has to go somewhere um i thought it was a medical issue what do you mean i thought it was related to hormone imbalances what the The postpartum depression yeah um i I don't know the full science of it but Um, that was that was my understanding at the time. So right. yeah, but she but you remember her saying that. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. her saying in the movie. I just yeah, to my knowledge, at right this point in time, it was um, because your body goes through so much trauma when you give birth mm-hmm. um, that your hormones just go because they've been obviously feeding another life all this time that they just go all completely out of control. But I think that was her point, that it's, you know, that is a result of trauma through birth. But yeah. she's saying that, is it because we've had so much trauma already to this point that that's just the tipping point? Yeah. Um, you know, so it is, the just even the fact that she says it is indicating that she has experienced that kind of trauma. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's, I think they're giving us a little bit of an insight into maybe why this was so important to them, that yeah. they also have been victims of this system to some extent, not necessarily the Hollywood system, but, um, you know, I know in the Me Too movement, there was there were people in the New York Times who were called out and, um, you know, for being abusers as well. So yeah. it was happening in that organization. Um, yeah, it just wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I think the statistics on it are, are pretty sad i don't i can i can look it up so i'm sure it can come up very quickly but i, I haven't got it yet but the um just the number of women who who you know are victims of sexual harassment in their lives yeah um i think it's something like 25 percent of women or something um and it's so i like everyone knows women who have been victims of abuse whether they know it or not yeah, it's yeah. it's it's interesting because um, I was victimized years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not I'm not you know like trying to um, be like well you're you know I'm just sharing my story because yep. I'm completely comfortable with it. Um, I was at a bar, and a much older woman than I was at the time came over to me and groped me, and there's a difference between. I think there's a difference between power and I'm not talking about like in the workplace, obviously if it's your manager or um, someone that's, that's higher up and then you, you know, there's a, there's a power issue. There's no, there's going to be an issue if you, if you react the same way I did. Um, and my response to this lady touching me inappropriately was I literally turned to her and said, do you want to leave in a taxi or an ambulance? Mm. And she was like, oh, you're a feisty one. And my response was to get up in her face and said, get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of it. And I feel, as a man, I have the ability to do that. Like, I would have been able to back up my actions. As a woman and you're in a place, like, women get victimized in, in any any going out in public. Yeah. Um, and it's there's a huge power difference between the reaction you can actually take mm-hmm. um, as a man being abused versus a woman being abused because your the fear also comes through because 
you know, um, there is no way that woman would have been able to do anything to me without me being able to physically stop it. Yep. But if you're a woman in that situation, could you? Like, would anybody actually yep. help you? Like, it's, it's, it's a really, like, it's a really fucked up situation. Yeah, I mean, like, thankfully I haven't been in very serious situations like that, but I did have one one situation where I was in um, a place. I'm, I'm going to not go into much detail about it. Uh, but my mom was waiting outside in the car for me, so she might remember this. Um, and a person, uh, a man, t- stood between me and the door, closed the door, and tried to... I mean, I think he just tried to ask me on a date. I was 18, I think. Yeah. This guy was, you know, at least in his mid to late 20s. Um, and you just have that moment where you think, if I say no, what is he going to do? Yeah. Um, and, like in seconds trying to calculate if I scream, will my mom hear me outside in the car? Like, what, yeah, what yeah. can I do here? And thankfully then he, he, you know, accepted it and let me go. But like, you know, it's very intimidating, even that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and You could be in public in the daytime yeah. and you still have that moment of, oh shit, like... Yeah. It's, um... Yeah, we live in a very weird situation in this in this day and age because you know years ago i feel and i'm not saying the olden days were better because obviously we've just from the evidence of this it's like without the internet and without you know um people being able to access information it was a lot worse i'm saying people were in smaller communities um people helped other people but like when they teach um um, like a, a what, I can't remember what it's called and I don't want to say the R word um, when they teach women how to avoid being victims they never they tell you never to scream the word help they tell you to scream the word fire, fire. because people will come and look at it yeah. that's the I don't know if that's a human issue yeah, I think it comes into bystander effect yeah. as well, that, like, someone else will help. Yeah, that's that's what I mean, like, a um, human issue. Because, I like, um, you just did your first aid training recently, mm-hmm. eh? Did they show the video? Sorry, we're going on a tangent here, folks, but it, it, context for the for the mentality. Did they show the video um, of the netball game? No. Okay. A um, little bit of context for the, you at home um, or wherever you are. The what I'm referring to is there was a case years and years ago of a young woman who was playing netball at school and was horribly injured during the game. And there were 60, 90 people there and not a single person rang an ambulance. Because everyone automatically thinks, oh, someone else will do it. Yeah, yeah. That's why, you know, they and tell you... In first aid training, you literally make eye, con- yeah. eye contact. You point with, at a person. If you say, know their name, you yeah. tell, call them by their name and you say, you... Bring an ambulance and yeah. get back to me. Yeah. Yeah, because then... Oh, yeah, and also get back to me because yeah. then you know that they've done it. Yeah. Um, And that way, you know, that person is like, oh, I am personally responsible for this. Yeah, yeah. Rather than letting someone else. But it's like, because I think the bystander effect was coined after... A case that I can't remember where it was, but it was a woman 
who had been assaulted, and she ran into the courtyard of an apartment block. So it was yeah. like, you know, multi-story apartments all around her, so in every direction. Um, people And she was screaming and screaming, and people just assumed someone else would help, and they all yeah. watched from their windows, and then the people who attacked her were able to come up and kill her. Yeah. Because no one called anyone. Yeah. Because they all assumed someone else would do it. And it's really scary, that kind of stuff. Um, I think, personally, both of us have a mentality where we would be that one person that would go help. Mm. I know for a fact, because I won't go into it, obviously, for our privacy sakes, but I have witnessed you um, contact the authorities for something. Mm -hmm. And I'm the kind of person who would, um, if I saw that in public, do something. Yep. I'm not the kind of I'm not a bystander. Yeah, I think we're also very aware, both from our personal experiences and our work experiences, yeah. of the bystander effect. Like what happened when we were out um, with your brother. Oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Where we where we go into into work mode. Yeah. Um. But we you know we both are very aware of the bystander effect and of the fact that maybe no one else will help. Yeah. Um. So you got to stop and do it. Like I mean, I apply that to things like I reported a leak from a from a drain on council property because yeah. I because I literally I went I walked past it and then I thought if that hasn't been reported why shouldn't you know I should report it yeah. just in case because the easy assumption is oh, someone else has already called someone else has yeah, already yeah, let yeah, yeah. know but you just think you know that's going to cause problems um, you know if there's a whole lot of water leaking if there's a burst water mains or whatever it was that was going on I was like well I need to, to talk about this um and yeah, I don't know. And I mean, I think I've had that mentality for a long time. And I did, um, I experienced, her, I don't know if it, maybe call it harassment, bullying at the very least, um, from, I don't know if I should say this on a <laughs> podcast, um, from a uh, person who worked at my, at where I went to uh, third level education. Yeah. So I was a student yeah. and a teenager and they were a, a faculty member. Um, and when I initially complained, they said to me, no one has ever complained about that person before. Yeah. And I knew that people had tried to. Yeah. So I just thought, well, even if it costs me my degree, um, my goal this year is to make sure no one, or they, they can never again say no one has complained. Yeah. Um, so I made that, that my mission. Um, and that person, I think they still work there, but were demoted. Which is better than nothing, I guess. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's some of the power was removed. Because, again, it was to do with a power dynamic being yeah. used and being exploited. And, obviously, a system backing them. Um, because, you know, the system was trying to get me to go away with my complaint and say, oh, you know, and had obviously dismissed others. Um, and it's, you know, to a much smaller scale than what's going on in, in Spotlight, or she said. But it's, it's amazing how much it happens everywhere. Yeah just everywhere it is it's like we you know we talk about these big big things these big moments uh, you know obviously the discovery of the catholic church just moving priests rather than actually dealing with the systemic problem mm -hmm. and then covering it up you know yeah and um, it's the cover-up in both cases is, yeah is and then harvey right. weinstein having you know 80 plus victims which is like shocking because yeah. obviously it was just like his hobby and spanning decades yeah and spanning decades um and 
you know, and then you get, again, you get people like, um, who was the other big one at the time? Oh, Bill Cosby. Mm. America's uncle, like, America's yeah. never did dirty comedy. Like, yeah. no one saw that shit coming. Yep. And there's a lot but of But then people... he had used his power to destroy people's careers so no one would believe what they yeah, said. Exactly. Exactly. And that's it. It's this systemic abuse and it's yeah. this, you know, holding so much power that you can that you control a narrative, yeah. essentially. Um and very much in both Spotlight and Street that it's it's the silencing of victims. Yeah. Like complete silencing, giving them and it's you know, they really show it and she said that um they're you know they're playing it towards the victims as like oh you know money means that um you know, you know the settlement means that he's he is agreeing yeah. that he's done yeah. something wrong but then they're saying oh no well he settled just to make it go away but he didn't actually do anything yeah. you know and and there's no evidence because it never went through court yeah um and they're just trying to get them to shut up and never be able to talk about it without legal repercussions um which is why it's really important, and she said, and in real life, that they had one of the victims hadn't settled and hadn't um, yeah. signed anything, um, but unfortunately, she was dealing with her own issues at the time because she'd just been um, diagnosed with breast cancer, yeah. which is um, factual. It's true, true to life that you know it, it did coincide with that diagnosis for her, unfortunately. Uh, but then she did, in the end, come forward and um, and say, "Yeah, you can use my anything I've said to you. You can use." Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, and, and, um, you find in both cases as well, there were victims who didn't want to come out and say it because they had children and they didn't want their children to think less of them. Yeah. But then you also think, well. Aren't you just like literally setting your child up for yeah, failure? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're, you, it, is it not, you know, and you have to weigh that up, I guess. Is it more important that your child doesn't know this happened or is it more important that your child grows up in a into a world where they're not going to experience the same abuse yeah. and i think especially in spotlight because the children are the people who are the victims um and even part of that was because by the time that they feel confident enough to actually you know speak out about it the statute of limitations is gone they can't yeah. do anything um yeah i don't know yeah, there's a lot of cases that are interesting when you start delving deep in. Like, I remember uh, Netflix releasing that Leaving Neverland mm. documentary, which was about Michael Jackson. Yeah. And, um, like, a lot of people shat on it massively. And for legitimate reasons, it wasn't just like a, you know, we're, we're supporting Michael no matter what he did. But, like... Bo, one of the people who was in, I won't even mention their name, one of the people who was in the show talking about how he was abused by Michael was also the key witness in his case mm. who said on on the stand, yeah. he did not molest me, mm -hmm. which threw the entire case out from the yeah. prosecution's point of view. Mm -hmm. So what, is he committing perjury now or was he lying on, like... Yeah. You know, um, and you you listen to some of the other um, uh, testimonies of people who were children and spent time with Michael Jackson, and they're like, well, 
what did um Corey was it for Corey Feldman said? He's the one that didn't commit suicide, right? One of them committed... Corey Hang. Yeah, Corey, Corey Hang is the one Yeah, Corey Hang committed suicide because of the abuse he suffered as a child in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of that, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of child yeah. abuse, abusive child actors in Hollywood. Which is... um, and he said... Corey Feldman said on... I can't remember... I don't think it was, like, one of the, the late-night shows, but he did say in an interview, um, out of all the people... Um, um, he was the only person who didn't molest me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, you, you look at the damage it's done to these child stars, and it, and it male, female, it doesn't matter, like, yep. you know, people get abused left, right, and centre, because, you know, it, it's the same with um, bad policing. Like, people get into industry so they have power over other yep. people just so they can abuse and them. And you get it with um, education sometimes yep. as well. You yep. teach people who become teachers so they can abuse them. Priest is a big one. Yeah. Um, in fairness, I think in st- statistic-wise, I know it's going to sound horrible, but apparently the 6% of priests that um, that committed abuse stands up in just regular population. 6% of normal population are pedophiles. Jesus Christ. Or have commit or have abused children. Um, so it is, apparently, that is the actual statistic average in, in, in just general populace. So it's not that it's an outlier um, amongst priests, but what was an outlier was the cover-up yeah. and the you know the fact that they let them keep doing it. Um, and they and you know what what you're saying about child actors there, they highlight and spotlight um, that the priests didn't necessarily prefer because I know people talk a lot about priests molesting young boys. Yeah. Um, it happened to young girls as well, and but and it wasn't that they preferred boys over girls, but that boys were more likely to feel shame and less likely to tell anyone about it. Yeah. And that was that's probably why you get more male child actors that were targeted yeah. than female. Um which is really upsetting. It's really upsetting. Um you know, and it just proves that it's targeted and that it's you know they think about it and they pick victims that they don't think are gonna yeah. kill anyone Ugh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a pleasant subject to talk about at any point of view no um yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's they're both very tough subjects i mean they're both this to some extent the same subject um you know I don't. I don't want to say I'm more of a dog in in the fight in both than you do, but it's probably somewhat accurate. Yeah. Um, you know. You because I don't know if you get to benefit from the patriarchy, but <laughs> but I certainly am more likely to to be negatively affected by the by patriarchal systems probably. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, Ireland has a very very complicated history with um, the Catholic Church. Yeah, um, which I was going to mention something, but no, I feel tasteless if I did, so I'll move on. What was it? Uh, the That covenant for the young woman without, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so the, the, um, the mother and baby homes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Ireland, Ireland, I think a lot of Irish people are very disenfranchised with the, uh, the Catholic Church, with the, with the institution, the organisation. Um, I think a lot of Irish people still... Um, you know, the vast majority of Irish people probably still are 
um, born and raised Catholic. You know, I'm baptized, did my first Holy Communion, first confession, confirmation, all that stuff. Um, you know, I was, I was, went to Catholic schools, um, I was in church choirs, etc., etc. Um, but, um, yeah, I think a lot of people are not, you know, they have very complicated relationships with the church and with the institution because, um, Ireland has not a great record for the, uh, separation of church and state, yeah. first of all. Um, you know, we've only recently in the past 10 years, um, had referendums to, um, you know, amend the, uh, or to, to repeal the Eighth Amendment, which put the life of a unborn child higher than the life of a mother. Um, yeah. And the law caused a lot of, um, a lot of harm to a lot of people because it meant that women couldn't get any kind of medical care while pregnant, yeah. uh, essentially, basically. Um, it was a really horrible situation and it was very much backed by the church and then also uh, you know, twenty fifteen we had our referendum for same sex marriage to be allowed. Um and in both of those referendums there was like a really you know, like the the polls showed things at like fifty fifty a lot of the time or yeah. around that and then there was a really strong silent vote, people who weren't speaking to anyone about it or yeah. but had but had been victims of um, you know, I think especially the Eighth Amendment when there was a lot of a lot of women, a lot of older women mm. who had been through the system, um, you know, of, of, you know, mistreatment, um, as a result of the Eighth Amendment who came forward and, and voted. Um, and like you said, the mother and baby homes where, um, it came out, you know, in recent years that, um, I don't even know the number, but like thousands upon thousands of, of bodies of women and children were found um, essentially dumped um, in underground I don't know where they sewers or you know but like they, they were all just mass graves essentially yeah. um, from these homes run by Catholic Church um, where they had been you know bringing unwed mothers or unwed pregnant women um, to uh, I don't know re- rehabilitate them into the Catholic Church or whatever and then they just are gone. Yeah. And it was that was like the like the um the child abuse that went on, it was uncovered I think largely in part because of um children who had survived those homes. Yeah. Um, who then were going looking for their mothers and trying to figure out what had happened to them and then, mm. you know, you discover there's this horrible system in place. Um and again, you know, women and children were the, the primary victims. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Ireland, <laughs> and a lot of, like I said, a lot of Irish places were included in the, um, the, where those priests were, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people suffered from abuse from the Catholic Church in Ireland over the past, I don't know, at least six decades. Yeah. And it's the thing is, is that despite this all being true, mm-hmm. um, you want to know how powerful the Catholic Church is, folks? Uh, I can suggest two pages you look up on Wikipedia. Um, world population density and world um, uh, the uh, wealth density. Because the Catholic Church is on the... Uh, the Vatican, which is the home of the Catholic Church, is mm-hmm. on the bottom of one of those and near the top on the other one. Mm. They have like 80 people and more money than New Zealand has. <laughs> Yeah. And they don't pay taxes. 
Um, what, what was a scary statistic the other day? Someone complained about how much one of the rovers we just... Re- well, um, we... The human race, I'm not saying we as in I'm an American, but I'm saying we as a human race um, placed on Mars and people were like, oh, well, you could have used all that money to feed homeless people or do something mm-hmm. with education. And it's like if we tax the church, we could afford one of those rovers each week mm-hmm. or each two weeks. Like that's how much money they get yep. and don't have to pay taxes on. Mm-hmm. Um it's a scary system that has been with us since the age before enlightenment and probably I th- as as like I said as an agnostic um, something we probably have to get rid of going forward um, I just want to interject here to say I like no problem at all with people having Catholic beliefs. Yeah. Um, well, I don't have no problem with people having religious beliefs. Yeah, yeah, with any kind of religious beliefs. Um, it's the it's the system of the institution that yeah. is a problem. Yeah. Um, and I find that, you know, organized religion is can cause a lot of problems and has been causing a lot of problems for a very long time. And it doesn't mean that religion is a problem or belief is a problem. It's the institution that's a problem. Yeah. And it's the same with um, when you get... You know, the the other academic is violence upon on victims who don't deserve it. Uh, you have it with any form of mass shooting, mm. um, which I'll talk about Christchurch because America is a topic that's way out of my scope. Yeah. Um, you know, that our government reacted the correct way. A hundred percent. I am a person who is very well trained with firearms. Did I ever need or require an assault rifle? No. Is it fun to fire them in a controlled situation like a firing range? Yes, that is incredibly fun to play um, to. I was going to say play with guns, but that's not the correct term. To have an afternoon out where you fire firearms. Would I ever need one at home? No. Does anyone actually need one at home? No. Um, as my father would say, if you need to fire two shots, you're a shit shot. Um, <laughs> and he's been using, he's been hunting with bolt action rifles since before I was born because of that exact reason. If you need to fire more than two shots, you're garbage. Mm. Um, the only the only thing you need to fire two shots at is multiple victims of whatever's on the other end of your barrel. Yeah. And majority of the time, unfortunately, in this day and age, it's people. Yeah. Because with hunting licenses and, you know, it's not like the days of the old where you just walk out into the woods and there's like a thousand deer and no government control over how many you shoot or, you know, buffalo back to uh, one of the other episodes going native we just did. Um, you know, it, there's a long time that's changed and even New Zealand, you know, you could go on to the previously to the, the, the tragedy that happened in Christchurch Um you could just go on to, I won't mention the, the, the website, but you could go on to a website and be like, here's an entire tab that is just a store for AR-15s. And none of them can be fully automatic in New Zealand because we always had a law against that. Mm-hmm. Um, but why? Yeah. There's you no reason to Yeah. They're garbage at hunting because around the reason... Oh, I'm not going to get into it. It's one of my... Spe- it's coming on my spectrum here, folks. It's one of my uh, 
Special interest. Special interest. We're not going to talk about it. We're getting off subject. Um, but yeah, my, my point still stands. Like, in a long, long-winded way, it is the echo chambers that people fall into that are the actual issue. And when you speak out against it, um, to be silenced. You know, you have hate-mongering can happen in a forum that is anonymous that can lead to some idiot going to a mosque and shooting a bunch of innocent people, going to a, 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 a nightclub or a venue that is frequent by people of the not same um, uh, sexuality as you, and it, well, you know, the victims not being the same sexuality as a perpetrator and then committing some other crime. Um, and it's the same thing can happen within a church. And you have to be realized that the people in power, institutions in power, want to stay in power because that's what, you know, that's, that's my oldest rant of, of why politicians can't be trusted because they spend years promising you something and then they're never going to fulfill that. Because the entire point of them is to stay in power after it. Mm. They will say anything. They will promise you the world to get into power. And then as soon as they're in power, all they do is try and stay there. And I'm not saying the you know, French Revolution was the correct way of doing it. <laughs> but, you know, maybe things will change if heads will literally roll. Yeah, you just need to get the guillotine back out. Eat yeah. the rich, all that. Well, Eat... It... Guillotine the Catholic Church. No, um... Eat we, the rich doesn't work either. We are not condoning violence. No. Um, violence is not the option. Yeah. Not the... No, sorry. Not the answer. Mm -hmm. It is an option, but it's not the answer. Um, the answer is us as a people, as a, as a singular human race, is listening to people and then having the ability to give a shit about what they say. And that is, in the modern era, very hard thing to ask. Mm. Yeah. Because if it doesn't affect me, why would I care? I'm pretty sure more people complained about the fact that, like, the last season of um, House of Cards was garbage, more than actually gave a shit about the fact that he was accused of abuse. Mm. And the issue is, is that we'll never friggin' know if it's true or not. Yep. And to bring that back to what we're here discussing, <laughs> um, these movies uh, bring those stories to, to, a, life, yeah. to a much bigger audience yeah. as well. Because, you know, not everyone has read... I haven't read the article in the Boston Globe yeah. about the priests. I, yeah. know, I know about it from Irish news sources. Um, but, you know, the, first of all, in both, you know, the actual true stories... The Boston Globe publishing an article and the New York Times publishing an article, those were bringing the stories to mainstream. Yeah. And that these films are bringing them to a to a much wider, much more international audience. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I saw both these films in cinema. I saw Spotlight in cinema in Dublin. I saw, she said, in cinema here in Wellington, New Zealand. Um, and so, yeah. you know, they're, they're on the big screen internationally. Um, Spotlight did win an Oscar, or it won, it won two Oscars, but it won Best Picture. Yeah. And I imagine she said we'll at least be nominated for Best Picture. You'd Major. hope so. Um, so, you know, they've they've brought these serious issues. And I mean, 
for she said to do it. I not not to to diminish Spotlight because I think Spotlight is a fantastic film and I think the message it brought was was amazing. You know, and I think it really um, gave a much wider audience and much more of an insight into what happened. Um, but for she said to tackle this and then put it forth to the Academy of of Motion Picture. Yeah when it's about their industry, when yeah, it's about yeah. Hollywood and about producers and, you know... Um, There's some BDE. Yeah, and I mean, but it has its own problems because, as you pointed out when we watched it, one of the producers is Brad Pitt. Yeah. And you know what the problem is there? No. Well, there are several. First of all, Brad Pitt was dating Gwyneth Paltrow in the 90s when Gwyneth Paltrow was assaulted and... Uh, abused by Harvey Weinstein. So Brad Pitt has known about Harvey Weinstein's abuse since 1996. He then married Angelina Jolie, who at the beginning of her career was abused by Harvey Weinstein. Uh, So he knows a lot in depth about the problems with Harvey Weinstein. And yet he has worked with him on multiple occasions since then, including pursuing him directly to ask him to produce a film for him. Mm. Uh, which is, I, from what I can gather, is one of the reasons that he and Angelina Jolie eventually split up because they had a massive fight over the fact that he wanted to work with her abuser and she, um, you know, was not comfortable with it at all. And he yeah. said, and he insisted on using Harvey Weinstein to produce it. Mm. Um, and then to the point that when um, when he and Angelina split up, he hired Weinstein's PR strategist. And she has since accused, I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be, because I believe it's still ongoing, but she has um, put out accusations against Brad Pitt for domestic violence and abuse of both her and their children. Um, and knowing that he, and he also said in an interview that he liked Weinstein despite the allegations against him, even though he was dating Gwyneth Paltrow when she was abused and he was married to Angelina Jolie, who has been abused. So he's well aware of the, uh, the truth to the allegations. And has known about them since the 90s. And yet in, uh, oh, I don't have the, the year, but Killing Them Softly in 2012, mm. he, he insisted on working with Weinstein. So why did he produce this film? That's an interesting question. <laughs> but it's the same with like... Uh, maybe his PR strategist told him to do it. Yeah. You don't listen to your PR strategist. You end up on a rampage uh, Reddit AMA issue. Oh no! Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like uh, what? What? What was it recently? Which it sucks because like one of my favorite more. Well, it sucks for the victims um, and the fact that people get away with it. But like, the pianist is one of my favorite war movies, and Adrian Brody place it's so he does such a good job in his performance mm, and, and i love him in um you know a whole slew of um, wes anderson films yeah as well. but then like he was also instrumental in a new case to try and get roman polanski back into being able to go to the states because if he goes to the states he'll instantly go to jail because he's a child molester mm-hmm. and just like oh no like, yeah. we can't like anything in this modern era because people are scumbags. Yeah, and I mean, you know, to some extent, um, as a lot of people know, any any victim of abuse knows, um, abusers are very good at grooming the people around them to yeah. believe that they are good people, yeah. which is why you get a lot of, you know, when someone gets called out for abuse, um, 
people will say like, oh, you know, he's always been really nice to me. Oh, he couldn't do that. You know, he's a really good guy, blah, 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 yeah. you know, um, because that's the image they've cultivated for themselves. So I can understand to some extent, um, you know, that he might have had that effect, you know, that Weinstein might have had that effect on Brad Pitt or that, yeah. um, why my name, but his name is blanked in my Polanski, Polanski. would have that effect on Adrian Brody. Um, but with all the allegations that have come out, and especially in Brad Pitt's case, with knowing that his ex-girlfriend and his now ex-wife mm. had been through that abuse, like, it's, how could you then turn around and be like, oh, but I like him and I want to work with him. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't, it's not a good look, it, is what I'll say. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting because the, the thing that comes to mind now is uh, the underlining moral issue that came with the show that you showed me, The Good Place. Mm. We it's have a great show. Yeah. Um, where you have one person being, like, apparently the pinnacle of, like, goodness and will definitely be going to heaven mm-hmm. in, in, this, in this fictional universe. And it turns out, no, like, because of these days our, compl- our choices are so complicated... You know, I don't support Nestle mm-hmm. because of their human rights um, abuses. Um, I've stopped supporting Sanitarium because apparently they're a charity and not a business. Mm. Um, Do we mention Kellogg's being about, like... Yeah, we talked about that in, I think, our It's a Wonderful Life episode. Yeah, <laughs> Kellogg's being, like, like, you know... Being a vegetarian, you being a vegan, people who eat meat, you know, that I'm not here to tell you you're right and wrong. Um, the grain industry kills animals as a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Like, there is nothing we can do in modern time unless we go live on, like, either another planet that is mm-hmm. built completely by selfless people and we never make the same mistakes that we've made yeah. here. Or you do your research and you cause every single trip to just buy food a three-hour-long journey of, oh, yeah. can I, you know, there's apps for it these days and good on you app designers for doing that stuff. But, like, e-numbers, which if you don't know are ingredients, not like, I don't know, additive numbers, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, cool, what's this e-number? Cool, now I'm going to spend 10 minutes on a website trying to find out what the hell is in this item. Yeah. And it turns out it's like ground-up bugs. And you're like, what? Why is that in there? Yeah. Um, which is a major, shellac is a major ingredient in licorice, which is one of my favorite treats. Mm-hmm. And that's why I only support oh, RJ like, oh, Black what, Knight. Because what is this uh, natural flavoring? Oh, secretions from a beaver's ass. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It makes delicious raspberry and strawberry flavors. That's a true story. <laughs> Um, vanilla flavoring used to be made out of the same stuff they used to make paint thinner out of back in the 90s like and yeah the the moral choices you make with your wallet are so complicated and it's like if I was you know if I'm going to do like a moral knife point here I would not support an industry that abuses people but then watch this movie so the message gets out but it's also possible, like, a person who's accused of knowing mm-hmm. about abuse. And it's like, like I was mentioned yesterday uh, when we were at the uh, our cinema club mm-hmm. um, about the uh, Charlie, Ch- uh, Charlie, Charles Manson. I was going to say Charlie Chapman. That's the wrong person. That That's a whole different other fandom that's very awkward. 
um, Charles Manson and people not wanting to speak about that now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Hollywood's closet is so full of skeletons, you could open up a Halloween, a 365-day-a-year yeah. Halloween store yeah. and, it and still have spare skeletons in the background. Yeah, and it hasn't, um, you know, it hasn't been solved by the Me Too movement. No. By any manner of means. Um, there's always going to be abuse. And the purpose of things like this, like the articles and um, the movies, is to give people a voice and to make people feel like they can talk out and yeah. speak out about it. And the issue is that from my point of view, because I've known it's happened, is you get people who st um, speak out and don't get recognition the same way someone else would, like what happened to Terry Crews. Mm. Um, Brendan and, Fraser. Yeah. Oh, yeah, duh, fucking hell. Um, and then you get the other side of it where you have people speak out against people and then the accusations aren't true. Mm. And you're like, again, this is a double-edged sword. Like, we should believe victims. Yeah. But if people who are scumbags, because if there's people out there committing this atrocity, these horrible things to other people, you'll know there's going to be people who are going to use that against people they don't like. Yeah. And it becomes an issue of... Again, fake news. It's like, okay, I want to believe pe people who are victims of a horrendous, uh, horrendous thing to happen to them. Yeah. But people are going to use this to get at people. Yep, yep, absolutely. There will always be people who will um Because human beings are genuinely shit. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, there will always be someone who's going to use try to use any kind of system to yeah. uh, to benefit themselves. Um and that's sad because what happens then is if a lot of you know if a lot of people do that then yeah. suddenly no one can be believed, um, and then you get real victims who are, you know, being set aside because people assume oh you know, because there was you a lady because you don't like so and so. There was a lady recently who accused um, it was like ten to fifteen people of sexually assaulting her, and it, it basically she and this was over time it wasn't like in one court case. To the point where it, like, because of how quick everyone wants to jump onto it, like, she ruined these people's lives. And it turns out she was full of shit and is now spending, I think it was like 23 years in prison mm. because of her false accusations. Yep. And it's like, this fine, you know. Well, at least she faced consequences. Yeah, but the issue is, is that the, the damage she's done... For actual for victims. Actual, yeah. Yeah. And if... they didn't actually do anything. And it, yeah, it's it's a worry. Yep. It's a real worry. Um, but again, it comes down to one of the biggest powers of the institution is being able to use lawyers. And, you know, there are things written into the law to protect victims. And the issue becomes, you know, the, the fact that they are basically locked into a, a, a silence. It's the same, you know, with the doctors, they can't say anything because unless you're the you're their patient because um to protect people. And yeah, you even if a lawyer wants to say, you know, hey, you know, I'm protecting the scumbag who's abused, you know, you're gonna lose your career. Mm. It's it's yeah, it's it's an interesting interesting uh issue yeah especially when you know in the case of both the hollywood producers and the church 
they have so much um, financial power. Yeah. So they can afford those lawyers and they can afford to, you know, smear Drag the names of people. court cases out for decades. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, yeah. And they can afford to settle hundreds of cases out yeah. of court, you know. Um, anyway, we've gotten a very long episode now. This might, this is turning into our longest episode, but um, yeah. Um, it's definitely a discussion. You're going to have to put so many bloody warnings. Yeah, yeah, because I do put content warnings in our show notes. Yeah. This one's going to have a lot. Yeah. Um, but that's all right. Um, Box office is out of, the, out of here for this time period. Um, um, I mean, I can tell you what we've got. So for, for um, Spotlight, budget was $20 million. Box office was $98.7 million. Mm. Um, for She Said, the budget was $32 million. And the box office at the moment is only $6.4 million. Um, which feels very low, but it is only just been it's only just been released in the yeah. last week. Um, so and it's not a Marvel movie. Yeah, so hopefully it'll it'll go up. I mean, performances are fantastic in both movies. Um, you've got Zoe Kazan and Carrie Mulligan in in um, she said, and apparently they've been friends in real life for the last fourteen years. Oh, that's good. Um, and uh, Zoe Kazan was actually a bridesmaid at Carrie Mulligan's wedding. Which is which is cute. Um, so nice that they got cast as as uh, people who've been working together for a long time. Um, whereas the other movie you've got Stanley Tucci, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, um, Liev Schreiber, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. I was like, I'm forgetting people. Yeah, there's there's a whole load of people. Like Batman, the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, exactly. Um, whatever her name is in Doctor Strange. Yeah. Uh, Lee Schreiber is what? What does he play in the X Men? He's someone in the X Men movies. In the it's not Saber Two. Is he Saber Two? Oh, Lee Schreiber. Okay. I can't remember. I um, in terms of notes, I feel like I've covered most things. Uh, one of the things I thought was interesting was the um, for Spotlight they created a set um that was look to look like the globe. I'm trying to figure out where I actually put the notes. It's it's disappeared. Oh no. Okay. Um. Yeah, so they made a set for the Boston Globe offices, and when the actual reporters visited the set, they just kind of all went to their own desks and like set them up how they had been yeah. set up, because it was obviously realistic enough that they were like, oh yeah, this is my desk. Mm. Um, whereas uh, She Said was shot in the real New York Times building. It's the first movie to have ever used the real New York Times offices. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um... Yeah, I don't know if I had much more. Most of the notes, or most of the like IMDb trivia about Spotlight is about um, Walter Robinson, who's the, the guy that Michael Keaton played, and it's just about him like being real freaked out by Michael Keaton's performance. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be like, there's like five different quotes from him. The only one I took down was, it's like watching yourself in the mirror, yet having no control over the mirror image. Um, but he also said that like he felt, after watching Michael Keaton's performance, he felt sorry for every person he's ever interviewed for having to interact with him. Um, <laughs> that's what he's like. And yeah. you know. um, he also was apparently really freaked out the first time he met Michael Keaton. Because um, there's notes as well about um, Michael Resendez, who Mark Ruffalo plays. Um, and he says that, you know, watching Mark Ruffalo reenact five months of his life was like being in a funhouse mirror. Yeah. But um, with Mark Ruffalo and uh, Michael Resendez, he like spoke to him a lot. And, um, you know, they... He, asked him to read some of the lines for him or to show him what he's like when he's angry and stuff mm. so he could get a real read on how to do him. Uh, whereas Michael Keaton um, just thoroughly researched the guy and watched loads of videos and like learned how to be him. So That's when he first creepy. met him, when he first met him, he 
spoke to him as himself and the guy got re- real freaked out he was like this is our first time meeting how do you know this much about me yeah and he's like you know doing a full impression of him so he's he like and michael keaton just totally freaked out the, <laughs> the guy that he was playing which is kind of fun um can you imagine the first time you meet michael keaton he's just like he is you yeah well i don't think it would work with the age gap of us but yeah <laughs> but, uh, yeah so that's fun um yeah, that's about it for notes, I think. Um, I didn't even really take... Because when we saw She Said, we hadn't fully decided we were going to do an episode. Yeah. So we didn't. I didn't take a notebook or anything to cinema. And in terms of notes I took for Spotlight, I took about five notes, and it was just... Um, one was a quote, and the others were just, like, similarities. And one of the only other thing was that I took down the number of stories they wrote. They wrote 600 stories in the, in the case of a year. Jesus. Um, about the, the, the various cases that came up from their first one that's a lot of articles yeah. um but uh you know good on them fair play to the the spotlight team and to um megan tuhi and uh, jody Cantor, who wrote the um the new york times article and the book about it yeah thank you to all of those people for the the hard work that they put in um yeah I don't know. I don't know if there's much more to say. I think we've covered it. I'd say everyone watch both these movies would be my recommendation. And I'd say if you have been a victim of some form of abuse, seek help. Yep. Um, through, I'm not going to say through the church, but um, through any any means. Um, yeah. If it's were... speaking to people or, you know, anonymously or... I'm sure there's hundreds of resources out there these days. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of helplines and things. There's yeah. a lot of websites you can go to for resources. Um, yeah, if you've if you've been affected by any of this, um, definitely talk to someone. Yeah. You know, have a voice. Thank you for all for listening. Um, do we want to talk about our social medias? Because we haven't this time. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. It takes two underscore pod or Facebook. It takes two pod. We have a Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes and on our website and Twitter. And our website is ittakes2.co.nz. Stay safe out there, folks. Goodbye.